Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So we're doing, um, for those that just log into the Zoom, we're doing a just minor stretch, mindful movement. So we do cow and cat. And now we rotate clockwise, in-breath cow, out-breath cat, while you're rotating clockwise. And notice its sensation as it has a beginning and ending. And there's a gap before the next sensation coming. And now counterclockwise, in, cow, out, cat, counterclockwise. Slowly coming back to neutral, feel the difference in body sensation. So sensation is just an event that comes and go in your awareness. And if we can feel that event, then we can do the same thing with our thoughts, our difficult emotion. If we can see them as just an event that's arising in our awareness. So next one is raise your left arm, leans towards the right, and then left arm coming back, open the chest towards the ceiling. Feeling the sensation of the rib cage, chest back, slowly coming back to neutral. Right arm coming up, leans towards the left, right arm coming back, open the chest. Slowly coming back. Mm -hmm. Now we synchronize with the breath. In breath, left arm coming up, lean towards the right, open the chest. Out breath, neutral. In breath, right arm up, open the chest to the ceiling. Out breath, neutral. In to the right. Out, neutral. In to the left. Out, neutral. Continue on your own, synchronize each movement with the breath, feel into the sensation. So sensation is like the part which has a beginning and ending. And the awareness is like the whole, which before the part, you, you are already there before each sensation during and after each sensation the whole is already there your awareness is already there so we embrace the part we fo focus on the sensation to realize the whole the one who's focusing the one who's watching the sensation slowly coming back to neutral with the difference Shoulders roll forward. Shoulders roll backward. Slowly coming back to neutral. Now we twist to the right, right hand behind the buttocks, left hand to the right knee. Twist with a straight back. Slowly come back to neutral. Now twist to the left, left hand behind the buttocks, right hand to the left knee. Slowly 
slowly coming back to neutral. Feel the difference in sensation. Head down. Head to the right. Head behind. Head to the left. And slowly rotate the head. Stretching the neck. Clockwise. Slowly and gently. And then change to counterclockwise. Then coming back to neutral. And now the right shoulder coming up, the left hand gently guiding the right elbow back. Right elbow coming up. And then slowly coming back and switch side, left elbow coming up. Right hand slowly guiding the left elbow back. We're stretching out the shoulder. Slowly coming back to neutral. And now we can go into our sitting practice. So find a comfortable sitting position. And we can tune into the breath. And tune into the sensation of the breath. Sensation of the breath can be either around the nostril, the chest, the belly. Anywhere you can feel the sensation. We use this as our place of reference, our baseline, or our refuge. This is the Anapanasati method. So similar to the sensation that we have practiced in our mindful movement, each breath has a beginning and ending. Just like the sensation of the spinal cord, ribcage that we just have just practiced. But the breath is more subtle, so we just need to focus more, pay attention more to see its nature as a beginning and ending.
as we are focusing on the breath, find something fun, interesting about the breath. Is give is a life source for every one of us. We can't do anything without the breath. We can't survive without the breath. So find something fun and interesting to this life source. So the metaphor of the breath is like the chair in the room. If you focus on the chairs, then thoughts and the other thoughts are like the other furniture, the sofa, the heater, the japu, the japutan. You don't see them because you're focusing so focusing on the chair. You they come and go, but your focus, your attention is only on the chair. Make that your central focus.
If thoughts come, just come back to the breath. Thoughts are like the sofa, the heater. If they cling onto the sofa, the heater, just come back and rest in your baseline, which is the chair, the, the breath in the room, if you follow that metaphor. So we train our mind to focus in one place, one object. So in the Anapanasati, in step one, we focus on the breath, a neutral object, so that we, our, minds, our, our mind doesn't cling on to the other objects, the pleasant, unpleasant, the sensation and thoughts. So we have a place to focus in. Once you get used to the step one, you can either stay there or we can go to step two, which is applying the breath and allowing into our everyday life where there are thoughts, sensations, feelings that come. So continue to focus on the breath as your baseline, as the main attention, and allow your thoughts your sensation, feeling, emotions to come and go in as your sub-attention. So your main attention, your baseline is the breath and that which is different than the, your baseline are the visitors. Can you focus both at the same time? The main attention, the breath, the sub-attention as your thoughts, sensation, and feelings. So going back to the metaphor, so your main attention is the chair <laughs> representing the breath, your baseline. In the main attention, the sofa, the heaters, or the visitors, they still there, but they are in your peripheral side. They are your sub-attention.
So if a visitor that come, for example, uh, pain in your right knee that's arising, if you don't have the baseline as the, as the breath, then you, you will cling to it and you will say, I'm feeling painful. But if you rest in your main attention in the breath, then the pain will be your sub-attention in the peripheral. You will identify as just the, the pain arise in my knee. So the difference is I'm feeling painful. You put it in the first person. The pain is arising in me is in the third person. Notice the difference. So whatever you focus, your energy flows towards. So your main attention is where your energy focus to the breath, to the chair. Everything else, the end, you pull away the energy in this self-attention because it's in the third person. Everything is just a process. It comes and goes. Just like the sensation in our body, mindful body movement.
You can, so that step two is to rest in your baseline as the breath, in the main attention, and everything else become your sub-attention. We can either stay there or we can go into step three, which is now resting in the formless awareness. So in step one, we only rest in the chair. In step two, we rest in the chair but still allowing the all the furniture to come and go step one we only focus on the chair step two rest in the chair allow all the furniture to come and go step three now we rest in the space of the room which merge with the space outside the room with space which merge with the universe so we rest in the spaces awareness and we allow the furniture to come and go, but now we rest in the space of the room. Everything else that has a form is an object. It comes and go, whereas the space of the room is a formless space. It has space and it's also aware. It can shine light on the object. So awareness has two elements, spaciousness and luminosity, that which shine light, which is aware of what of that which come and go. So the space of the room exists before the furniture, before the chair, before the sofa, during and after. So people can move the furniture in and out of the room. The space is already here before people move the furniture in, during, and after people move the furniture out. So we embrace the furniture, whatever thoughts, sensation, feeling, to recognize that which is beyond the furniture, that which is beyond the thoughts. And we rest in this wholeness. Thoughts, feelings, and sensation are parts, has a beginning and ending. And awareness has before the beginning, during, and after the ending. So continue to be aware of whatever is arising and rest in this wholeness.
So whatever we embrace, we are discover that we are more than that which we embrace. If we embrace the sofa, then we are more than the sofa because the space exists to the left of the sofa, on top, below, to the right, before, during, and after this, the sofa. So similarly, when we have a thought, a difficult emotion, for example, fear, we just embrace the fear. We embrace, for example, a tightness in the chest, which is fear, we embrace it. And it, we become something more than the fear because we exist before, during, and after the fear, the tightness of the chest. That space is all, always there, that formless space. So always there. And from this vantage point of this space that is more than the fear, now we can guide the fear. We can guide the tightness in the chest. So we embrace, whatever we embrace, we become more. And we rest in this wholeness that is more than the parts. This wholeness is awareness. That which we embrace is object of awareness. So we embrace the object to recognize the awareness itself. And from the vantage point of the awareness itself, we guide the object in a skillful way. Now we can put it into everyday life, everyday is. How do we apply this to everyday? So so we can invite something that leave, left a residue in us, an event. an emotion, feelings, something that left a residue that we kept clinging to it during the last few days, few weeks, few months, few years. We can invite them up and put our meditation practice mm -hmm. in working with them. So come back to your, in your memory, invite that residue to come up. 
may be a difficult emotion, sensation, feeling. Allow them to come up so you can reenact, relive it. Because we can provide a safe place for it to come up. And from doing so, then when it come up again in your daily life at home, you can provide a safe place for it to come up. What's needed is a safe place, a, a, your refuge in the midst of the difficulty. So invite it to come up in the safe place of our meditation practice right now. In your awareness, in your open space. So you can either use step three, open space of awareness, or step two, rest, your baseline is in the breath. So continue to reenact. Remember what the situation is, what the other person said, did, that caused a residue in you. Now feel into the into how the inner form, how it, it affects your body when a difficult emotion arising in you, a residue arising. So we shift inward from what that person said, what that person did do, did or did not do, to what you feel in your body. And now we can break down into its four components, the four foundations of, of mindfulness. And we work with each component at a time in dealing with difficult emotion. So the four components, it's like you're dealing with a chair, you break down to its legs, its backrest, its seat, you work each of them and then you put it back together into a chair. Sim similarly, the four components of uh, difficult emotion is the four foundation of mindfulness. The first component, when a fear or anger or desire, depression, trauma, the first component, look at your body. Does it stoop over the body posture? The shoulder, the hands clenching, and just relax the hands. Keep your embrace the shoulder, allow them to straight up. Guiding the body to its natural posture. And now the second component of your difficult emotion, for example, your depression, your fear, sensation. So when fears arise, you can find sensation, the tightness in the chest, or depression is the throbbing in the belly. Embrace the throbbing in the belly.
notice the difference between the object, the throbbing, and the one who embraced. The throbbing is localized in the belly, but that one who embraces is much bigger than the belly. So it's just an, an event, a part rising in you, the throbbing. So you're more than the throbbing. You can guide the throbbing in the belly. The throbbing is like your child. You're more than just child. You can guide this child. You can console this child. And now the third component, the thought. Can you embrace the thought? The thoughts belong to the child. You're, be, you're more than the child. You're like the parents of the child because you exist before the thought, during and after the thought. And the fourth component of your depression, your anxiety, your pain is your, is that to see the, the nature of your difficult emotion as a process, it comes and goes. It has a beginning and ending. Notice that. So the one who embraced is like the space of the room. It doesn't come and go, it's always here. That's awareness. But the object of embrace is like the furniture, like people coming in and out of the room. They come and go, it's like the process. But this, But when you embrace the process, you recognize the one that is beyond the coming and going. So that's the fourth components of the, of the four foundation of mindfulness. You are not that which comes and go. You are the wholeness, the space that holding the coming and going of the objects. Rest in your spaciousness, rest in your wholeness.
So we establish a safe place, a baseline, a refuge. And from the vantage point of this safe place, we can allow our difficult emotion to come up and allow them, we embrace them with loving kindness and allow them to transform themselves. When something difficult is given a space to express itself, it automatically transforms into its neutral energy. And that's the practice we do. We create, a, we find our innate safe place, whether it be step one, the breath by itself, or step two, the breath as the main baseline, or step three, the formless spaces universe of awareness. So we provide a safe place, and in that safe place, the refuge, things can come and go and allow them to transform themselves. If you can do it here, you can do it at home or anywhere you go, because the safe place is always there within yourself. In about a minute, we will switch from the sitting to the discussion period. Even in the discussion period, can you provide a safe place for your thoughts, emotion to come up when you talk? So if you can do it during the sitting, you can do it in the practice, in the at home at work, anywhere you go. And all you need to do is embrace whatever contents arise in your mind to find this infinite container of safe space, of awareness, of loving kindness to awaken and rest in this infinite space of container. Embrace the content to recognize the container and rest in this infinite container. And as we recognize the safe place, safe space, we can put our hands together and we bow to the safe space within each and every one of us. Thank you so much for allowing me to share the sitting practice with you. And now we can go into a discussion period. I just want to bring it into our practice. Um, I think there was a question. I want to address a question from our last meeting regarding <clears throat> how to deal with trauma. And I think that's a very common issue that we have. Trauma can be pain, can be physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. 
how do we deal with it? <clears throat> Especially in the childhood trauma, we, because in childhood, we don't have a baseline yet. So the trauma become our baseline. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to drop the trauma if it's become baseline. Whereas if you're an adult, you already have a healthy baseline. Trauma is something different than the healthy baseline. Then it's easier to drop because you already have a comparison, something to compare it with. Um, so dealing in using meditation to deal with trauma, there are two steps. The first step is freedom of the self. Maybe if I can use... I forgot to bring my bell with me today. <laughs> the self is something like David. It's something small, yeah? And I, here I put David as a center, and then the rest, the universe, all the people are around. So I trying to change things to make it fit with David. So if I have trauma, and I know people who caused the trauma, who has injured me, I find way to find justice for myself. So those can be taken, reporting to the police, uh, fixing the problem, or if you have pain, you find the, uh, the doctor, you find the uh, health practitioner, the chiropractor, acupuncture, you're trying to fix the pain. Or if it's dealing with a crime, you, you send that person into in jail, in, or you find justice, social justice. But what happens when you, everything is already done? You, the person is in jail, you're trying to fix the pain, you get the psychological trauma is, already, is still there. Or that person, the suspect has already died, but the trauma, the psychological is still there. What happened? How do we deal with it? Because this first step only deal with the changing the outer circumstance, changing other people. But now the, the residue is still in there. How do we deal with the residue? Because the problem with trauma is that the problem, even though we're trying to push the trauma away, we logically, we tell our... Uh, Self that is already over, suspect been in jail, suspect dead, or the pain is is already uh, nothing else. The doctor can deal with it. Uh, but how? But some, sometimes we're trying to push them away, but we still cling on to it. And we always ask, if it's caused so much suffering, why do we cling on to it so much? So meditation help us in that big space of awareness from that big space of awareness the wholeness now we can look in and see the parts the reason why we cling on to the trauma is not because we cling on the trauma but we establish the trauma as my self-identity that's me is my somebodyness and we cling on to just somebodyness and even though the trauma causes suffering because it's our clinging to this somebodyness but why can't we cling on to something pleasant? Some, because we can have a thousand of pleasant, yet we only cling on to one unpleasant, one difficult emotion. 
is because we are negativity biased. Mm -hmm. That's our inbuilt system. When we go out to the wilderness, we go hiking. What do we pay attention to? We don't pay attention to the bush that is standing still. We pay attention to the bush that is moving because it may be a mountain lion is hiding behind that bush. So through survival mechanisms, we only focus on the negativity. So we are negativity biased. So we cling on to something unpleasant and create that as self-identity. And through that self-identity, we keep feeding energy into that trauma, even though it causes suffering, but we, at the subconscious level, which sometimes we don't see, is that I would rather be somebody who's suffering than a nobody <laughs> who's not suffering. That clinging to somebodyness is always there. So our practice is to shift within to see that we're not clinging on to trauma, to the trauma, but we're actually clinging on to the somebodyness. And plus our negativity bias, now we cling on to the trauma. So if we break it down, it's not the trauma that we cling on to, it's the somebodyness that we cling on to and the negativity bias combined with that. But we don't see that. We only see that we cling on to the trauma. So until we see into a subtle, subtle level, into that somebodyness, we're not going to be able to drop the trauma because you get to see for what it is first. But how do we drop that somebodyness? How do we drop? We have to have something bigger than somebodyness. If David is depressed and I'm David, I can't drop that depression. If I can rest in something bigger than David, then I can drop David, then I can drop the depression. So David becomes just a drama on stage. Mm -hmm. My real self, the one that's bigger than David is like the audience. So my, from the vantage point of the audience, my true self, I can step in and play the role of David and step back out to play, to be my real self as the universe, as the wholeness, as the audience. Because the audience exists before the drama of David, during and after. That which is bigger than David become, become the, uh, the whole, become the, uh, uh, the audience. And that audience is the wisdom that we're searching for. So as long as I'm in David, I can't deal with my uh, trauma. I'm stuck in the trauma because I, as long as I'm David, I'm stuck in with my somebodyness. So to step out into your true self is to rest in this wholeness, the spaciousness. You can call it the nobodyness or you can call it the wholeness. It's just the same way. Just like the space in the room here. If you focus on the form, you can say it's the nobodyness. It's nothing. But if you focus on the formless, you say everything is here because the space of the room includes everything. So the nobodyness or the whole or the wholeness is exactly the same thing, different way of expressing. If you focus on the form is nobody. So shift your focus to the formless and rest in the whole, then you're everything are in comparison 
And from the space of the room here, now I can drop the somebodyness. David, and if I can drop, I can go beyond David, then I go beyond David trauma. Because as long as I'm clinging on to this somebodyness, I will need the trauma to, re, to identify myself as David. Who am I without my trauma? So the practice, so the first step in dealing with our trauma is freedom of the self. So self is David and trying to change others, change circumstance to make it fit with David. And that's step one. Step two, now we deal with the problem, but now uh, the psychological, with the physical problem, but now the psychological is still there, the emotional is still there. Now the step two is freedom from the self instead of freedom of the self. First step is freedom of the self. Second step is freedom on the self. So now this is a universe. Now I make it the center. And now David in the periphery. Now I rest in that something bigger than David. And from that something bigger, now I can guide David. From that wisdom of the something bigger, from the universal wholeness, now I can guide David. Now I'm step out of this somebodyness. And because I can step out of this somebodyness, David, now I can step out of David's trauma, depression, anxiety, fear, the difficulty. Now there's no place to cling on to the trauma to justify David to justify this somebodyness because I already rest in this universal wholeness. And that's our practice. In our meditation practice, we find something whole and we rest in that, in that wholeness. And from this wholeness, we can step in and play the role of David or we can step out when needed. We can step in and see the trauma and step out and allow the trauma to reveal itself and we can guide the trauma and we can allow it to dissolve on its own. When something is heard, being embraced, being cared for, then it just it will dissolve on its own. But you need to recognize something bigger in order to care for that difficult emotion. You have to recognize the parental figure in you in order to care for that inner child that needs attention because the difficulty of the inner child. And from the vantage point of the parent, now this inner child's difficulty has been heard, cared for, and then it will dissolve on its own. That's the nature of our life. Everything, no matter how difficult it is, is just energy. Energy is not static, it's always dynamic. It comes, it stays for a while, and it transforms itself if it's been hurt and cared for. But if we suppress in it, then we don't allow it to come through the front door. It goes through the back door or the side door or the windows. So, but we can't express, we can't care for it unless we find a safe place, a safe refuge. And our practice is find that safe refuge. And from this vantage point, you can guide whatever difficult emotion is arising.
Thank you very much for allowing me to share. And that's the practice. And in dealing with them, we break down into its component. And those, the four, and those are the four foundations of mindfulness, the four main components to every difficult emotion that's arising. If you can break them down, you solve one component at a time, and then put them back together into its main system. And we can do that in the outer world when we build a chair, we break down into its legs, into the back support, into the sitting platform, and before we can build into a chair. Same thing, we can do the same to our difficult emotion, feeling and emotion, and put them back together again. We don't have to solve the big problem, which can solve is small component and put them back into the big problem. If we can this solve each component, then we can solve the whole problem, the whole big problem together. Thank you for allowing me to share. Now I would love to bring it up and to bring that into your daily life, into your practice. How, how does it work into your daily practice? Oh. And in the room too. So you, yes, either raise your hand or say it out loud. Uh -huh. Yes, please. Identifying with the true self and consciousness, because you mentioned it's like also like being nobody, and it's hard for me to wrap my to grasp that idea mm -hmm. of nobodyness, uh, like a place to to be, a safe refuge. I can identify with myself, but not with. It's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around that. Yes. Uh -huh. Somewhere from nobody. Yes. Can you all hear it on Zoom? No. No? Okay. How can you uh, rest in just nobodiness, in just formless space? Uh, because our six senses can only see a form. We, whereas, the, our true self is a formless wholeness, the space. Uh, our refuge is this formless space. How do we rest in it? How do we recognize it in the first place uh, uh, in order to rest in it? Very good question. So that's why I use step one, step two, step three. Uh, step three is the uh, spaces awareness, the wholeness. You have to taste it. So use step one. I'm sorry, use step one and then go to step two. Use your breath as a baseline, your main attention, your center, not your breath is your center, and then everything else becomes the periphery. And then, so rest in the breath first. Because the most important thing is to drop, to go beyond your difficult emotion, your pain, everything. So mm -hmm. use your breath as your main attention, and then to dis dissolve your, your uh, difficult emotion, to work with your difficult emotion, that which is more than your difficult emotion. So your breath will be the host. Everything else will be the visitors. And then true practice, many, many years, it takes several years <laughs> before we can taste the formless space. And it, it, it can find true the formless 
it, it you get to taste it with your body. It's very hard to understand with the mind because the formless space is beyond your six senses. You cannot understand the sixth sense. You, your sixth sense cannot understand the, that which is beyond it. You can only feel it with your body. So, for example, I'm, I can just say it a little bit, but if, if it be, doesn't become your everyday experience, stay with step two. This is step three. So just a little bit in step three. Your sixth sense can only see a form. Your sixth sense can only see a form, which has a, the first thing is your, it can find within the space dimension, for example, the throbbing in the belly, your depression. But the one who's aware is more than the throbbing, is beyond the, the boundary of space because you're more, you're more than the belly. And the, whatever the object, you're, the throbbing in the belly has a beginning and ending. It can find in the time dimension, but you're more than the time. You're more, you already exist before you're depressing, before the throbbing, during and after. So the one that already exists is the formless. So your sixth sense cannot see that. Your sixth sense can only see the depression, the throbbing in the belly. But the one who's seeing that is more there. And it just, just takes time to practice. You, it cannot be understood by the mind because the mind is confined within the form. That which beyond the mind is the formless. But you got to taste that. But right now, if you haven't tasted yet, step, stay in step two. Use the breath as the form. As the baseline, everything else becomes the non-baseline, become the visitors. Is that okay? Thank you. Yes. Yes, please. Um, I really like the idea of you have to make a safe space for physical emotions to come up. Yes. I have very difficult emotions around something that was said to me by a family member and for like three days it I could not I was trying to be my you know stay with my mindfulness and, and use my practice to deal with the difficult emotions mm -hmm. coming up you know identifying heat and tightness in my chest when I have a memory of the thing that was said to me and um like energy in my body when I ruminated about the thing that was said to me mm -hmm. and all the things that I wanted to say back and all the things that I was thinking mm -hmm. I would do next and, da, 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 and I had that energy feeling, I'm thinking about all that, but it would not, I couldn't get it to go. It was mm -hmm. staying and it uh -huh. started to obstruct my sleep. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, you know, I have really great friends. Uh -huh. I'm going to call one and, you know, vent and be clear. Yes. I just need to vent. Yes. I have, Nothing. You don't have to have any advice for me. Yes. But for some reason, I gotta, I gotta get it out. And yes. It was, yes. It was almost like I didn't yet have the safe space. If I'm still on my journey, yes. I did not have the safe space, but my friend, I know, is a safe space. And when I blurted it all out out loud, yes. And you know, somebody else then knows about my difficult emotions. Then it was gone. Then it was a beautiful. Change. 
but it was almost like I was trying to stay in the audience. Yeah. Stay in the audience, stay in the audience, stay in the uh-huh. audience. And it was like, you know what? I have to just go and finish the scene. Yes. I have to get on stage. Yeah. I got to engage for a minute. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, that's kind of what it, it felt like. But I love I like that idea of space because, yeah, I think probably there is a point if anyone is using their mindfulness to deal with trauma where they realize in themselves the, the space isn't safe yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and there needs to be more work done and or it needs a different solution like a professional or something like that but yes i i i definitely have made safety for myself for a lot but not for everything that happened because <laughs> i still find where my limit is uh-huh. and i need help from someone else yes. Yes. <laughs> or some other solution to deal with the, the difficulty but I never, I hadn't, that was my experience, but I hadn't thought of it in terms of safe space. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm not dealing with this. This isn't, it's, this space isn't safe yet. Someone yeah. called Alice. Uh-huh. Alice is always a safe space and it works. You use a very diff, uh, a very good uh, metaphor mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier too, in terms of whatever you observe, you be aware of is the drama on stage the one who observe is the audience is the observer in the audience and that's your safe place mm-hmm. what is your name again Kate. Kate. Yeah. um so if you have and you use a very beautiful uh method which is talk to your friend because you just need your friend as an excuse because without your friend you won't see yourself mm-hmm. so with your friend become an excuse for, excuse for you to see yourself. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about your difficult emotion to your friend, you are not that difficult emotion. You're more than that difficult emotion. Mm-hmm. So that's a very beautiful technique is you, you use a friend, anybody that you trust to talk about it. And when you talk about it, you're more than Kate. Kate become the drama on stage, you become the audience. And because you're more than Kate, now you can see Kate's problem more clearly than if you are Kate. If you don't talk about it, you become the uh, part of the drama. But if you, you can talk about it in a safe place with loving awareness, loving kindness, with embracing it, then you become the, the audience, the observer in the audience. And from that vantage point, you said, Oh, I'm missing this. Oh, I, uh, I didn't see something that I uh, before. And because you can see things clearly, now you can guide it. That you can say, oh, just a dog barking. Oh, just a uh, somebody who's not mindful. And I have been non-mindful before, so I can forgive that person or something to that effect. Or you can just say, I'm going to avoid this person. But you can only see that from the vantage point of the awareness of the uh, audience, which is more than Kate in the uh, on stage. Mm-hmm. Because you're more than that role. Everything become a role, but you're more than that role. But, that, but you can only recognize more than that role by embracing it. So coming back to your question, you, you Kate cannot see awareness, but awareness can see Kate. 
<laughs> the part cannot understand the whole. The whole can understand the part. So your six senses cannot understand the whole, something, the uh, the wholeness. But you embrace the six senses. The one who embraces the six senses is the whole. So, so our practice is not to use logic to understand the whole, because logic is the part the part can't understand the whole. But the one who embraced the part can understand, can understand your difficult emotion. And you did a good technique by talking about it. And it takes time. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, please. Uh, great talk, David. Thank you very much. Um, when I first started uh, meditating, I used uh, Vipassana, so the breath meditation. And I found that by labeling everything, um, you know, there's a thought, uh, there's an angry thought, there's a jealous thought, there's a happy thought, and just noticing, 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 and becoming a watcher. And so you get that detachment, or your consciousness gets bigger, so it's able to, to stand back from thoughts, feelings, and perceptions, anything that comes into your mind, you're watching it. So you're not anger, you're watching anger. You're mm -hmm. not uh, sadness, you're watching sadness and you see it arise, exist for a time and then pass away. And so the watcher is not the void or emptiness or it, it's, it's another thought, but it's, it's more detached. It's it's uh, a larger consciousness, mm -hmm. and then it, it seems like when you when you notice the transitions between, okay, the thought arose, the thought disappeared. There's a feeling. Uh, there's a a sound. Oh, it's been a while since there was a thought. You start to notice the emptiness from from you know there's there's nothing to see in emptiness. So you can't perceive emptiness, but you can be aware of it in retrospect. You can be aware of the transitions and you know there was emptiness there and then now there's a thought and now there's a feeling and now there's a, and so I think mm -hmm. in some ways those transitions help help you to be more aware of, of the formless. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Anthony. Anthony brought up a good point. How do you recognize the wholeness in the part? The part is changing, it has boundary, it keeps changing. And you focus on the changing part to recognize the unchanging wholeness, the space around here. So um, it's to contrast, just like you write white chalk on the blackboard, the white chalk become the contrast, which make it easier to see the blackboard in the background. So the changing sensation help you to recognize the unchanging wholeness awareness that is always there in the background. Does that make sense? So your sixth sense, you, you are just like the cells in the body. You know, we have a, a trillion cells in the body, right? The cell cannot understand the body. The body can understand the cell. Mm -hmm. So, but your sixth sense, your logic is the cell. It cannot understand the body but you embrace the cells of your body 
And in that embracing, you recognize I'm more than the self. Maybe I'm something bigger and that something bigger is the body. The cell cannot understand the body. The cell think, oh, uh, and the cell have problem. Yeah, you know, cell only lives like seven days a week, uh, 10 days. And the cell say, oh, I'm going to die, die. I'm going to have pain. I'm going to do depression. But from the vantage point of the body, oh, that depression is workable. So you embrace the difficult emotion in the cells of the body to recognize I'm more than the cell. I'm something bigger. But the cell can't understand the body. But the one who embraced the cell is the body. So that's our practice. The cells are changing. The wholeness is unchanging. Can you find something in you that when you were a little kid until now, there's something unchanging in you? Even though your body changed, your mind changed, your thought changed, there's something unchanging in you. And that is the whole. But the changing cannot understand the unchanging. Your thoughts can't understand that. But you can feel that. There's un something unchanging in you. And that unchanging is your refuge. That's in, in step three. <laughs> Thank you, David. Feel free to raise your hand or... Uh, anything that yes, please. Isn't there a part of you know, as humans, we, we have a need to be seen and heard and understood? Yes, and, um, sometimes I think our own resources run out, you know, like loving kindness. Like, yes, you can do that for yourself, but sometimes I feel it's like a bigger challenge in life. Like, I had a similar thing where trying to deal with something which is just you know, overwhelming and. It was kind of beautiful. I um I turned to my mom and you know she we have we have a interesting dynamic where you know I feel like I've been there for a lot, a lot and I kind of was just like hey I want any advice you I just need to be heard like that and she just heard me out and was there and it, like I didn't expect that like after we hung up um it was weird it was almost like I felt like. It wasn't just the current situation. I almost felt like there was the inner child in me that had that missing parental sort of, you know, just understanding or need to be heard. I felt like it was like sort of there somehow. And like, because I remember going for a walk after, and I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like there was something deeper that was healed almost. Like, um, and it was, you know, it wasn't expected. I didn't, it just kind of happened. So, isn't there also a need as a human to like I feel like sometimes mindfulness makes us want to be the self fully self-sufficient person and I mm. found that to be kind of I don't know almost opposite to sometimes my desires of like wanting to build closer more, more mm -hmm, mm -hmm. honest relationships with mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. closest to me in my life who I'm so lucky to have yes yes uh -huh. so isn't that there too yes a moment of a social yes that we yes um the practice, our practice, our normal way is to change an imperfect part to a perfect part in order to be happy. We have to change things. We have to change our feeling, our thoughts, our emotion, or other people, our circumstance to make it fit us. So we 
we put a condition on life. We say, I'm happy if and only if I can change this part from imperfect to perfect. The practice of mindfulness, of awareness is to find something wholeness, something bigger that include the parts. So even if the part is perfect or imperfect, I'm still okay with it. So instead of saying, I'm happy if, if and only if I can make this perfect part. Now I'm happy as a whole, in spite of the part, whether the part is imperfect or perfect. So how do we find that? We find that by, find, by being aware, by embracing whatever's difficulty to find something bigger. So uh, if you see yourself as the left hand, your mom is the right hand or other people is the right hand, loving kindness, embracing, make you become the whole, it's like the body. The body is the whole, the left hand is a part, the right hand is a part. So from your reference point, if you use your reference point, your baseline as rose, then rose is different than the right hand, your mom. And because, diff you, because you are different, you, there's a tendency, a preference to want to change your right hand to make it fit with the left hand. That's just a tendency. You should think the same way as I do. You should have this the same way. But if you embrace both hands, not just the left hand, not just the right hand, but both hands, then you discover yourself as something more than the left hand, then the whole become the whole body. From the reference, from the baseline of the whole body, now you can see rose more clearly, the left hand more clearly. You can see the right hand more clearly. And now you approach the right hand, even if the right hand did something wrong to you, you can approach it with loving kindness to the right hand. You awaken just the right hand. And whatever you treat others, they will mirror it back to you. If you treat them with loving kindness, they will mirror back loving kindness. Now you have a greater relationship between the left hand and the right hand. But you can't do it with the left hand. Much harder. You can only do it with the body. So become more than rose. Become something bigger than rose. From something bigger, you can guide rose. And that is the practice when you talk to your mom. You have tasted that. You, when you talk to your mom about Rose's problem, you're more than Rose. So you become a witness to Rose and Rose's problem. You just need a safe place using your mom as a safe place and eventually using the whole spaces awareness as a safe place. Yes, please. I very much resonate with what both of you are talking about same experience this week um and I think you know this idea of a safe space is is tricky because I think we've had experiences where we're like oh that's not a that person's not a safe space or and so um I don't know I'm just thinking about that and I'm just thinking about like how I come here every Sunday because this is a safe space <laughs> you know um and I'm, I'm starting to like really 
see that, or, or at least this week or this today or yesterday, I'm starting to see how important for me at this point in my life to, to have the safe space outside of myself because I'm feeling the same way that I can try to hold things and then I can't hold them. I don't have the space. I need, I need help with it. So this is one place I, I come and, and I feel like even if people don't even know what's going on with me, we're all here and supporting each other to try to look inward and that's a support. Yes, beautiful, thank you. And she brought up a good point in that we need a form as a safe place because ultimately it's the formless space of wholeness. But when we love something, we love a form. We don't. We have never tasted the formless. <laughs> when we have a relationship, we relate with a form, not the formless. So in uh, other tradition, they use the divine, whether it be Christ, Buddha, uh, Maharaji, or whoever you choose, because it has a form. Mm -hmm. And that form represents the space of the formless wholeness in you. So we use divine like a bridge. On one bank is the form, the divine, and the other bank is the formless space, it's the whole. So every time you see, uh, you remember of Christ, it reminds you of the space, safe space in here. Or you use Buddha. Every time you think of Buddha, it reminds you of safe space. But Buddha or Christ is just a method to get to this safe place. It's actually using the pop love love association. That's all. So you're using the form as a, a show, to associate with something bigger than the formless because our sixth sense can only see a form because that way we can fall in love with the divine uh, and be there 24 hours a day and that divine represent the space. So it doesn't matter which method you use, whether you use Christ as a method to get to the end result, which is Christ consciousness, or you use Buddha as a method to get to Buddha nature, or you use object of awareness as a method to get to the end result is the awareness itself, from the object to awareness itself. The end result is the same, where Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, or uh, whatever you use, or um, pure awareness, they are exactly the same. Just different terminology for saying the same thing. The method may be different. Feel free to choose a method that is well resonate with you because the method contain your tradition, your culture, your uh, everything that you're familiar with. So feel free to choose whatever method that best fit you. But the end result is the same, how to merge into yes, oneness, yes, wholeness. But the method helps because it provides a form because you, you're not ready to go to the formless yet. Like you mentioned earlier, you, it's hard to get to the formless. So use the form as, as a bridge to get to the form, on one end of the bridge to get to the formless on the other end of the bridge. Because that way you can fall in love and talk to the divine 24 hours a day in everything you do. And that talking to the divine is a safe place.
Yes, this please. It's been clear to me when we use the word safe place, um, it connected to me the word refuge, and yes. that we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Yes. And so I like that today of thinking, because people talk about doing things on their own and yet reaching out, and that we, the Sangha is so important, you know, that we do have this body of people like mine, but also resting with the Buddha or the Christ or whatever it might be, right? Yes. And then the Dharma. I, I don't know. It's just kind of came to me today. So, yes, very beautiful. Yes. Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. They are the methods. But remember, you don't have to change your religion from uh, Christianity to Buddha to Buddhist in order to find a safe place. Correct. Any method is good. Any method, because religion consists of the law of nature and tradition and culture. You can use the four foundation of mindfulness, which is the law of nature, together with Christianity, because if that's what you gravitate toward, because it's, it has a tradition and culture that best fits you. So no problem. Yeah. So it's okay to mix and match. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, I'm saying that because I'm born and raised in the Buddhist culture. So uh, 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 I, I don't see that you have to be a Buddhist to find safe place. <laughs> you can find other religion too. So in fact, I learn from, I explore other tradition to complement uh, with my understanding, with my practice. Yes, please. Yeah, there's a question on Zoom. Yeah, uh, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to thank you for that uh, explanation because um, I, you know, I personally was steeped in in the Christian tradition and uh, was um, actually a minister for a time. And uh, there came a point when that was no longer, uh, you know, a, a viable way to to to. Um, you know, get in touch with the absolute or the holy or however, um, you know, you, you explain that. But um, for me, it, it's been a difficult road um, because I have felt for a long time that I had to jettison, you know, the, the Christian symbols that I'm so familiar with. And I, and I did very, you know, very early on, I did a, um, a, a, uh, three-day retreat, and I expressed that to the uh, gentleman who was leading the retreat, you know, what do I do now? And uh, he said at the time, uh, there's nothing that you have to do necessarily. You know, you don't have to leave your tradition. You don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to uh, let go of those things that feel, for me, like home, like something that's familiar and something at least in terms of a, a, a of symbols that I can uh you know that I can cling to and um you know and, and find meaning and gain meaning from and uh so like your explanation um it, it's becoming easier for me now to see an integration between the two and not having to to you know to completely buy into that old tradition um, because it, it's very rigid and structured and, and it didn't bring me any kind of relief. It, it made life even more miserable for me <laughs> over time. But, um, but there's, there's still value um, like, like the Christ, the person, 
um, you know, I, I find him uh, greatly valuable, um, but but I no longer, you know, accept those central tenets that were part of that tradition. And uh, so anyway, I, I guess with that, I just want to thank you for that. And uh, that, you know, that just say that that's been a real process for me. And it's, it's been a difficult one. It hasn't been easy. Um, but it, it's good to hear, um, you know, that uh, we can still hang on to those things that that bring us, you know, a level of peace and, and uh, you know, some some understanding. Uh, anyway, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very beautifully put, said, expressed. Um, what we learn in meditation is just the law of nature, just like the law of gravity. Um, Newton, an Englishman, had, writes a lot about the law of gravity, but we can use it here in our daily life. When we drive a car, we use the law of gravity, yeah, because <laughs> we drive too fast, it flip over and all that stuff. We can use the law of gravity, but we don't have to convert from an American to an Eng Englishman in order to use the law of gravity. We thank Newton, thank you very much. The law of gravity is already, already there. Uh, before Newton was born, he just the person that discovered. But we don't have to change to become an English man or English woman to use it. We can just use it here and make it uh, and, uh, and thank the founder, the the one who discovered. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the law of meditation is the law of universe. Everything is impermanent. Everything is has non-self. You can't control it. And if you're trying to control it and you're trying to make it I me mine, then you create your own suffering. Mm -hmm. That's a true uh, manifestation of Buddhism, which is the law of nature. The law of nature was already there. They were already there before Buddha was born. Mm -hmm. Buddha was just a person who writes about it. But you don't have to convert to Buddhist or become an Indian uh, uh, to, be, to, be, to apply it. You can apply it anywhere. We thank Buddha, but the law was there before Buddha. So we thank Buddha and we don't have to follow the tradition, the culture of the Asian country. If the culture tradition in the American help you, it's much better to make it at your home, your refuge, but you can still use the law. Does that make sense? Yes, please, Anthony. That was very well said. You know, you're, you reminded me of something I thought of uh, earlier this week where like lightning strikes a tree and because of the heat, the molecules start to vibrate really rapidly and it goes from a solid to a gas. A fire begins, there's heat, there's light, and then the fire continues and you've got a forest fire. A mile down the road, you can't say that that's the same flame and you can't say that's a different flame. And it's kind of the same with our human body. Uh, you start out as a single cell, you know, you're born, you're given a name. You can't say now as an adult, you're the same as that baby, but you also can't say you're different. So, you know, language makes it hard to understand some things, but sometimes when we look at nature and we look at the simple laws of nature, it's it's easier to, to uh, understand our nature. And so I, I think the Buddha was 
And his meditation was very good at concentrating his mind and just seeing what is here at the present moment and waking up to the present moment is what this is all about. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Yes. So we have the small mind and the big mind. The small mind is the parts, your thoughts, emotion, feelings, sensation. And the big mind is your awareness, that which can see the small mind, but more than the small mind. So the way to differentiate, to see the difference is small mind is changing, the big mind is unchanging. Um, the small mind is confined within the dimension of space, confined here in the belly or the chest. The big mind is that which is more than the confined, the boundary of space, more than the localization. The small mind is that which is confined within the boundary of time, has a beginning and ending. The big mind is the wholeness, is that which is more, which exists before the beginning, during, and after. So all your thoughts are the small mind. That which the watch, that which watch the thought is more than the thought. Because it's it was there before, during, and after the thought. So the small mind is objective. The big mind is pure subjectivity, the one that's watching the object. Because the, you cannot make the big mind an object because it's always more. So that's how to differentiate the, uh, between the small mind, the big mind, between the part and the whole. So first, we, if, we, if you cannot go straight to the wholeness, the space of the awareness, then use the law of association, use the divine as a pointer to the wholeness. No problem at all. Because you so used, you were brought up in the traditional religion, you have the divine. Why not make it make good use of it? Because you have already practiced, you're already familiar with it. But now use it as a law of association, the path love law of association. Use the divine as a pointer to the wholeness. Then traditional religion. Meditation are the same thing. Just different method, but the same end result. No problem. Make up your own method. Just like right now, I say, go to Santa Ana. First, I talk to you from here to Santa Ana. I show you the 22 freeway. But make up your own. You can go Garden Grove. You can go take <laughs> Westminster. As long as you know the end result is southeasterly direction. But then make up your own. So you can make up, you can mix with uh uh christianity you can mix with protestant you um, uh, muslim doesn't matter whatever you find home in you and that home is culture tradition values habits whatever you feel home for you but yes any method is fine feel free to change the method but just do know the end result meditation help you to see the end result which is become one with the whole. Only one with the whole can you step out of your difficult emotion. Become one with the whole so that you know I'm no longer David as the center of the universe. I make the universe the center in step two and resolve around it. And from this vantage point, one with the whole, I can guide David into a more skillful way of doing things. Or use your method as a, to find a third person Talk, find somebody to talk to, to, to ex, as an excuse, a listening ear 
so that you can express yourself. And in that expression of yourself, like you mentioned too, and in expression of yourself, you become the witness, you become the something bigger. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I have a question, please. Yes, last question, please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, well, I am like a Christian Buddhist. And tonight we have talked a lot about, uh, you know, how to reconcile you know, those two traditions. So, well, you know, the Christian can be boiled down into three words. How, in terms of the relationship amongst our fellow human being, we say just three words, love thy neighbor. So from a Buddhist perspective, can you also boil down to three or four words how we should treat each other? Yes, thank you. Um, this is uh, universal language, whether you use Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, or anything is you are the left hand, the others are, are the right hand. You become the body. You shift from the left hand to the, become the body. The body contains both the left hand and right hand. If you think the right hand is different from you, even though you say love thy neighbor, but you can say, no, me first, mm -hmm. <laughs> me first. But if you, if you uh, now, if you recognize your true self as the body, the body automatically loves both hands because both hands belong to the body. Yeah. Then, uh, uh, so first step is left hand, love your right hand, love thy neighbor. That's the first step. But eventually go to the second step. Left hand become the whole body. Automatically, the body loves the right hand and the left hand at the same time. Yes. But the most important is become the body. Step two. So start with step one, love left, you are the left hand loving the right hand, but go with, eventually with practice, go to become step two. Shift from the left hand to the body. Now the body loves every part of the body, uh, every part, left hand, right hand, nose, mouth, head, shoulders, everything. Thank you. I so would much. say oneness, yes, oneness equals wisdom and compassion. Yes, oneness, the wholeness, the wholeness, include the contents every content thank you so much you have just listened to a recording from insight la in long beach for more information please visit us at insightla.org